Hi, Gala. Hello, Rose. Sorry, I'm a little hyper. Did I just sound like somebody kidnapped me and replaced me with like a polite person? <laughs> Why, hello, dear friend. <laughs> it sounded like you're like Mary Poppins to my unruly child or something. Maybe that's just a natural instinct inside me. <laughs> that's like one of my sexualities. Gala. Mm -hmm. We have something to celebrate. What is it? That there was a sh new show that was like pretty primarily queer that we got to watch that pulled on our very foundational heartstrings, but righted a cruel wrong of the past. Okay, tell me more. What is the show you speak of? It's just a little thing called A League of Their Own, A League of Our Own, A League of My Own, if you will. <laughs> Though not for everyone, because it's America, period, but also America in the 40s. Right. right. But I feel yeah. like this was a film that was a big part of many of our queer roots and felt so fucking gay, even though it wasn't. It's true. It was, I mean, to be honest with the, with the listeners, people tuning in, it's like, I know I've watched League of Their Own more than once, maybe even more than twice. I literally don't remember anything but Gina Davis. Like, do, like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what happened in that movie. I remember like three other things. I mean, I remember that Rosie and Madonna were there and they were best friends, mm -hmm. but like, that's all. Like, I remember them as like characters that were great. And I liked that they were friends because that was like a cool thing to see. And I like knew that they were friends in real life. And I thought that that was cool that they were like getting to be friends in a movie. But the actual movie, it's just like visions of Gina Davis. I for me. That's so funny because I felt similarly but also like had the real Laurie Petty obsession. But I think that I really identified with Laurie Petty, but was weirdly crushed out on Gina Davis, which if you look too far into it is a little creep zone because they're literally related. But I like to think about sisters in another sense, you know? But you're not related to her, so it's no. not a creep zone. Yeah, but it was like, you know, I really related to just being kind of like spunky and not really fitting in and just like, being like a little fierce but then having a crush on like the dutiful big sister or something right and i mean there's nothing grayer grayer there's nothing grayer or gayer than having a crush on a beautiful big sister <laughs> so... <sighs> yeah true true so you're right um you're right on course there you're younger here all right, so Abby Jacobson remade A League of Their Own. Yes. It's a serial. It is pretty great, I think. Abby is a comedic genius in many ways, and she has cast a wonderful crew. Um, these actors are just fantastic. Yeah. And so, so like enchanting to watch captivating the ones we get to know i feel like there are hot people in that show where i'm like who are you <laughs> oh yeah especially once you put them all in literally matching outfits i have no fucking clue what's yeah. happening there but every once in a while there'd be like some hot dyke in the back and i'd be like who is that <laughs> or just in like the bar crowd scenes where i was like yeah. whoa, 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 can we spend a little more time here 
Can we spend a little bit more time with Rosie? Oh my God, I was so excited to see Rosie. I was like, she's here. It was fun to see because, you know, our last cultural encounter with Rosie sad. as an out dyke, yeah, was sad. Also and in a bar. Also in a bar. Also tragedy But this one struck. was also really sad, but at least we're not sad. We're not sad about her. We're sad for her. Yeah, we're sad for her. Um, you know, I I thought I agree with you. I think the cast was really strong. I also feel like I feel like this show was trying to do a lot. It was doing a lot. And it did much of it. <laughs> oh, somebody's Virgo placements are activated. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say that like a lot of my critique does not stray much from um maddie court did a, a sweet little write-up on her Substack stack that was really good which like if you aren't on it i am on it but i haven't read it i wish i hadn't before this conversation because i don't want to just like recapitulate or like garble up what i actually just agreed with that maddie said mm -hmm. but so i want to stay with my emotional experience cool stay with it of Go course deep. that's my primary virgo placement so it will be critical ride that emotional experience the wave <laughs> i just feel like sometimes like i do think that you can make a drama that is also deeply funny i think that i just because it was trying to do so much i wish there were three or four more episodes and i wish that they could have like spent a little more time with stuff if it, it felt like they try to get into something deep and then they would just kind of like speed through it and get on to the next thing all right, so now y'all have listened to the abstract. Now you can get into the details. Rose, what are some things you wish the show had spent more time on? This is a great time marker. We're going to mark it if you haven't watched all of the episodes, so you can <laughs> skip right now. If you'd like to avoid spoilers, you should skip this episode or at least skip ahead to 80 minutes and 20 seconds. Well, I think that it just, there were a couple things that it didn't fully commit to right like are you fully committing to trying to be in the 1940s or not because it's okay if you want to do one or the other if you want to do like a weird romeo and juliet reversal where it's like it's set in the 40s but it's like very modern in like the way that they talk cool like boz lorman is that what you're talking about yeah kind of or if you like i guess i just felt like also are you a drama? Are you a comedy? Are you a funny, intense, sad thing? Like, I feel like they walked up to the edge of intense emotional experiences and then did something really weird. Like the police raid scene felt so strange to me, even though it's it like, did. yeah, it felt actually a little too camp, to be honest. Oh, like when they kept zooming back to Rosie O'Donnell's expression, like I just felt confused. Man, I was just probably already crying. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, as soon as you hear the banging on the door, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, I was crying like I was already crying because I felt it coming. Like I was yeah. like, bad stuff is going to happen. And yeah. I'm sad. Yeah, I remember just like, and I actually maybe can't even critique the scene because I couldn't watch it. It's like yeah. just too much for me. So I was probably actually just staring into Tennessee's eyes and we yeah, were both weeping yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead of like looking at it. Totally. It it moved me, but it moved me only because it pressed the spots that then were filled mm -hmm. in by like Stone Butch Blues, even the fucking yeah. Bebo Brinker Chronicles, you know what I mean? By like 
Yeah, I always think of Stone Butch Blues. It Anytime. fucking tears my heart up. Yeah, and and so in some ways, I think that I just am not sure that the show had the time or the chops to dig into the intensity. And I wonder if it actually would have been more powerful if we didn't see what happened. If like we saw everybody leave and then it just like went dark and then it was just like some fucked up sounds or something. I am happy that it wasn't gratuitous also, you know? So that's always the dance you do where you're like, I know what's happening here. It's important because it's fucking real. And also it's a hard thing to approach. Right. But you think that it wasn't true to the forties. Like I'm, I feel like you have a couple of different needs. And I have a so couple I of different wanna... needs. Um, yeah. I get confused when there's a contemporary soundtrack sometimes. I also feel like yeah as maddie pointed out like some of the language in it was like just so just like so like 2022 dykes online yeah that was it was really the soundtrack and an abby for me yeah <laughs> abby just like is very very not nothing like there's the <laughs> mannerisms like like there was this point where she was like kind of doing this kind of like what's I don't know what's cool whatever uh and I'm like you it's that so what are you doing <laughs> you look like one of those like 90s after school shows for kids you know like it's it's, it's rad like, like it's all that <laughs> like it's gay as fuck but yeah. it's not the 40s <laughs> you know yeah and so it's like on that and and I guess that's part of it is I'm like you guys did a great a pretty good job on production styling they also kind of went back and forth over whether or not they like made people wear makeup or not which is fine but I'm also like what's going on here like it just felt a little it just felt like I wanted them to do four more episodes and take a little more time and like be a little more careful and it's just not the way the tv is produced you know I don't know. Soundtrack is a big deal for me, for sure. And I think that if you're not going to use artists from that time period, which is fine, you should probably use music that's sort of made to sound like that time period. Maybe it's just me. Like, especially if you're really styling it. Like, as you said, it's not actually styled in a contemporary way. Like, everything about it is supposed to kind of put you in the past. And yeah. yet, you know when I hear Janis Joplin, like that's just the seventies. Like you can't put a Janis Joplin song on, like it's too iconic. Like there was just a couple of songs that were so iconic and so specific to a time where I was like, people are going to think of the fucking seventies when they hear this song. There was <laughs> even know? contemporary music on it. And I wish I could even remember any of the tracks. Like it wasn't artist I knew, but I was like, this is not 1943. And to the point that I had to like, I couldn't remember what time it was, even though it was styled so specifically. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's part of why I'm like, well, what are we doing here? Mm. And I think to that end of the, what are we doing? And again, I want to say like, for me, I, I'm not a stickler. Like it could have been contemporary, but not, not so contemporary as to like, really changed my experience yeah right but um the other question is i guess what you i think you might have brought up and what felt to me as a kind of a plot line inconsistency like their writers aren't really on the ticket or something or whatever like screen i just feel like 
we are so inundated with this idea that they live with rules and then all of a sudden like half those rules don't exist like either they're allowed to go out or they're not allowed to go out either they're allowed to wear pants or they're not allowed to wear pants like or we have to have some sense of them like hurrying back into the house in the in the morning and like changing into skirts you know whatever it is like it did feel sort of like we were you know we like somebody like, you know, um, what you call it, like, you know, Jess almost got sent home because she wasn't like ladylike enough. Yeah. But then spends the rest of the show being exactly the same. I love that, same. you know, but I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand how it's working, how it's allowed, like, you know. Yeah. It's like when the production <laughs> design team is so fully committed and then the writing is like, eh, maybe we I mean, are, maybe think- we aren't. Well, it's like, what is it? It's not like, I don't know. I don't work on a set, but it's not like the dialogue is ultimately fine. It's sort of like direction or something mm. like it's, it's something above that. Cause it's not like what Abby says, it's how she says it, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's not like, it's not the fact that they're wearing pants. It's that space between like them doing what they want and getting away with it like who is taking care of those moments yeah yeah i hear that for sure but you know i think it's also i don't even know historically i don't even know how many seasons actually there were so i don't even know how many seasons they could ostensibly create for this show yeah i don't know either but i'd like to see more because now let's get to the good stuff, right? Like, we just, we love to complain a little bit. I don't know what Rose's excuse is, but I'm a Jew. Um, I've got moon. <laughs> it so feels good to, compl- to complain. That's how you know so that I'm love. interested. Because I paid yeah, enough attention true. to pick that's it apart. That's true. It's also how a Virgo knows you're interested in them when you start complaining. <laughs> All right. What do you love? What do you love about this show? What I love about this show is a couple of things. I love the directorial return of Jamie Babbitt. That's right. <laughs> nay. Uh, what does that mean? Can you say nay? I don't know why I said nay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jamie Babbitt, who you may recall. Jamie Babbitt, who directed But I'm a Cheerleader. I, you know, and I felt her presence. You know, I was like, who's directing this? And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Except they switched directors for, like, the last episode or two. There was somebody else. So that also was confusing. Didn't, like, Silas direct one? I think the the gay bar one, maybe, even. The other thing that was really funny to me, which I don't know how you could forget, Gala, was that... How can I forget? I played piano on stage for a... (laughs) A queer League of Their Own musical featuring Roberta Calindras. First of all, pause. <laughs> Just pause because I can't. I I can't even pause. Like, of course I remember it because that whole that fucking theater is a shit show and I will never go back. <laughs> that is. But do would you like to share anything about your experience of of being in a proto league of their own reenactment with one of the characters uh, of the one of the actors in this new remake? 
there's not a lot to say except it was very chaotic and they called me in like literally the day before the performance and I had three hours to try to learn how to play five songs and then do it live with them. But it's interesting to think about how that percolated and whether or not Bert was able to pitch this to Abby, right? Who knows? But I know that I know that Dykes love hot goss. So there's a little hot goss is that there was a proto league of their own one night Good. only chaotic performance at Dixon Place in New York City that got a witness. I did. I was like, yeah, of course I'm going. No. <laughs> what else did you love? What did you love? Okay. Ooh, I like. I loved a lot of things. I loved Max's everything. Like I loved Max's journey toward like the opportunity that she dreamed of. I love plants. I thought their friendship was so fucking cute, and I was like so attached to it. And like, I'm just like a very friendship obsessed person and I love friendship representation that doesn't feel like you know like when there's when there's friendships on tv that are queer baiting you're like no these people are in love but like in a sex way and (laughs) that's annoying but I really love actual friendships in shows between women like Romy and Michelle and like Max and Clarence like I just thought that they were fantastic yeah um and I really love Max's relationship to Bert, and I love Bert cutting off Max's hair. And it, I just, I thought that that, I don't know, I thought Bert was so hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I also thought that, like Bert's partner was really hot. I thought it was cool that that she was like obviously the most femme person in the room, and then of course she's a dyke. Like of yeah. course the like the most femme, like the high, like, you know, she's just a high femme in the fucking like plants, and they're all like, "Whoa, who's this beautiful, perfect person?" And they're like, oh, "Fucking clam digger." And <laughs> Gracie, played by Patrice Covington. She's amazing. Patrice Clam Digger Clemington. Oh, um, so yeah, <laughs> she is great. Um, I love the party at their place with all the like queer oh, cuties. Um, and that was really a bomb during the terrible bar scene to like see these characters that I think these black characters are often in TV placed into violence, like not, mm-hmm. not having to endure that as well. You yeah. know, like, I think that was a relief to, to my spirit to just like see them be happy and like, and to have Max, you know, get her bell rung. Um, <laughs> You know, just some good times. Okay, so I just loved all that stuff. Yeah. All that stuff is fantastic for me. Um, I really also love, um, I love Joe. Well, what's her name? Yeah, Joey. I love Joe. Mm-hmm. I don't, there's this scene. I don't know what it is. Maybe I was high. <laughs> it's possible. But you know when like joe's at the bar before all the bad stuff happens Mm -hmm. and she's dancing with like this cute little dyke and the dyke is like you're the most beautiful person i've ever met or whatever and then joe gives her this like really soft and like gentle butch look i like died inside it was just perfect to me it was it was like that is the representation i want to see (laughs) 
you know? I was literally tearing up <laughs> as you were. <laughs> I too, yeah. I was just like, yeah, like, this is what shit I like, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, like, Roberta and Jess being at the bar and then being like, yeah, we're always here. Yeah. We fucked all these girls. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> You know, accurate, I guess, to the real truth of the league, like suppose, supposedly at least two thirds of the league was like out to each other, not oh, yeah. to the rest of the world, but like the rest of them were just sort of like, they were all enjoying the pizza. <laughs> you know, they were two thirds of that pizza. They were over half the pie. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Six slices. <laughs> no, I don't know what kind of pizza you got. Six slices. Six slices of an eight slice pie is more than two thirds, you know. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're trying to trying to get more of the pie. I, yeah, yeah. I bet you are. So there's, you know, you're one of those pie eaters. True. <laughs> so there's, Hair pie. You know, there's, oh my god, get out of here. Sorry, um, you started it with your clam digger jokes. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. So I love like all the sliding around. What else? I just like, you know, Jess's character was kind of cute. Like, that was fun to watch. Like, just interesting. That person did straight up look like they they were from 1939. Absolutely 100. That was like a, a child in a Dorothea Lange fucking portrait who then grew up to play baseball. But also, like, a lot of the gays I know. So it was this, yeah. like, funny mixture where I was like, huh. Weird, weirdly both. And then weirdly <laughs> also like um, the women Jeff Goldblum dates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a weird Venn diagram there. <laughs> and I also, okay, so I also like really love the actor, the actor that plays Beverly. Like, I think that she's so cool and I like finding her in a show. She has a good um, name. It's like Dale. Like, she's just one of those, like, characters or, like, character actors or whatever that, you know, always makes something better mm-hmm. when she's around. Yeah. Dale Dickey. She's great. She's great in Claws. Oh, is she in that show with Niecy Nash? Yeah. A couple of yeah. alliterative yeah. character actors? I mean, mm-hmm. It's messy in that show, too. Not like, she doesn't get a lot of character development, but. Dale Dickey. You loved her. I do. I just think that she's cool and I like seeing her. I think that's like a lot of what I loved. I had some critiques too that were a little separate from yours. Like I really didn't understand how Carson and Greta's whole like sexual thing was working. Like I I don't mean that it it's a literal logistical critique. It's not about pairing. Like I don't think it's a pairing that I was that interested in though everyone else seems to be so like whatever. Um, but I just don't understand because they're like literally like we're fucking in this car in the shed like we're living with like 16 fucking people I'm like everybody fucking knows you're fucking like there's no way (laughs) it's impossible like this idea of the secret or whatever like there's just like so many scenes where you know what I what I almost thought would happen do you know those scenes in the movie where like people people get high or fucked up and then like you're in their mind and they're like beautiful dancing and then like it like it like stops or the like frame switches and you see them from the outside and it's like they just look like really weird and slow and like stupid yeah yeah i feel like (laughs) similarly 
every time I saw them like catching a kiss and being secretive, what I imagined is like, if you just pull, if you like widen the frame, everybody's just looking at them going like, what the fuck are these dudes doing? Like right here around this corner, which is really visible from this angle. And also like we're right outside this car parked in the garage. Like everyone's here or we can hear them fucking like it's a car. Which, you know, I did like the scene where Carson goes in and is talking to Jess and Lupe at the gay bar, right? After she mm -hmm. follows them there. <laughs> where Lupe's like, oh, how does that work? The height, the whatever. And Jess is like, oh, yeah, I knew you fell asleep in our room one time. <laughs> Which kind of addresses both of the issues that you just brought up. So it's yeah. like, there's a way where they know that the chemistry is not really there, but that like Abby Jacobson is going to star in the show because she produced it. Right, but I would say that, like, Lupe, I thought Lupe was doing, like, an anti-femme thing. Oh. Which I was, like, classic to the time. I mean, maybe they're being true to the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess I just felt like Carson was barely skirting over the femme. Like, Carson is just kind of, like, confused iguana. Like, just, like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I guess that's true. She's in jumpsuits a lot, which is the which is the confused iguana uniform is a jumpsuit. I should know because I wear one quite often. Um, <laughs> Me and my confused iguana partner also do. <laughs> We're all out here with our scales. Be like, what's happening? Okay, so it's time to begin um, what we came here to do, to which is to hash it out, bat it around, and figure out what signs our characters are. So Carson, Rose, you uh, have you have put it forward that she is our Aquarius. I think so, um, because more than any other character, A, Carson's kind of an alien, doesn't really know how to relate to the world or herself, has always felt a little out of place. And then she comes into like this group situation where suddenly her positionality and her role becomes clarified by the broadened perspective of being in a collective, right? And so, mm -hmm. but she's clumsy with it. She can be a little aloof, um, a little mm, emotionally challenged, I would say. Can't really understand always the impact of actions or how to like be a little more sensitive to anybody else's feelings. You don't think she's sensitive to other people's feelings? I think she is, but I think she also steps in it a fair number of times. Like, I think she's trying mm -hmm. to be. And I mm -hmm. also think that, like, because she's trying to zoom out, she doesn't always get, like, the more personal impact of mm. of, of her mm -hmm. actions or decisions. Because she'll be like, I'm doing this for the team. That's what's best for the team. And then people are like, but I would also like to catch. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that? Could you agree? I can agree. Um, I think that, you know, there's just some trouble that comes up for me around Carson. And a part of it is Greta. Mm. And so I'm trying to, and I guess we can, I feel like, you know, what you and I love to do is we love to talk about signs in relation, right? Like yeah. which ones are drawn to each other, like which ones bring out what in each other. Um, and Greta seems so mysterious to me. Mm. Um, so so both belonging in the group and actually not yeah she's um, kind of separate that as 
as we kind of talked about her and tried to peg her, LOL, uh, um, it it just became a question for me about whether or not Greta is our Aquarius. Oh, interesting. Yeah, leaving when things are difficult does make yeah. sense. Being a little removed does make sense. Also being a little wiser than everybody else, right? LOL, Rose. I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> I can't like catch you slipping that shit in. You're like, also, you know, Aquarians, they're a little wiser than everybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she is wise to some extent, right? But she's also a little bit of a baby. She's also a brand She's new kind baby. of like, like she's a baby that's wise because she does this thing where she gets a little, she's naive about love, mm -hmm. right? Like she's afraid of it. She holds herself at every move, but Joey's the one who says, you're always falling for some new girl. You're like always just sort of like, this is a big thing. Even if what you receive on the outside is distance, what's inside is like incredible sort of like openness to, to like the big idea. But then to me, that actually takes me back to Libra and like the, the romance, the relational side, and also the kind of hot and cold. And I think there is a certain Venusian element, like to, like Greta is very confident in her capacity to attract partners. And mm -hmm. she uses her grace and her charm to like remind people of that when she feels like she's not getting attention? I don't know. I think there's a couple of things that come up for me when you say that. Like mm -hmm. one is that she used, like she knows how to be attractive, but she doesn't mean it. And that's some Aquarian stuff too. Like that sort of putting on, you might not have it, but a femme Aquarian does, you bet your bottom dollar. <laughs> like that ability to like put on the human suit and like and like try it on for size her like i'll just go home with a man I'll, I'll be seen like with a man on my arm at the end of the night and that's easy enough to do it's a lot of like the human suit <laughs> you know and like knowing how that human suit works and i will say that there's this element of like the libra thing that i just don't feel from her mm. like i don't feel like people go to her for any reason <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> she's not quite moody enough to be a Libra. Libras are fucking moody. Some like Libras. She's, she's, they're pretty pretty. <laughs> like, like, she's not moody enough to be a Libra. She's not, like, consulted enough to be a Libra. <laughs> and, like, in many ways, Libras are not actually known for leaving. Like, I don't know what that's in there. Like, they're not known for leaving. <laughs> that's not their MO. I mean, well, then let me posit this to you. Uh-huh. Posited. You... <laughs> Consider it deposited, reposited. <laughs> um, if you see Greta as an Aquarius, what does that make Carson to you? This is where the fight gets fun. Mm -hmm. What if it's a big old switcheroonie? Oh, you think Carson's a Libra? 
Yeah. Actually, that was one of my first inclinations, which would then make sense with her waffling and just like not wanting anyone to be upset and then literally upsetting everyone and like can't figure it out. Right. Yeah. And staying in her fucking marriage, <laughs> talking about how she's unhappy mm -hmm. and then trying to have it all, like trying to have the husband, have Greta mm -hmm. doing that weird thing where she's like, I'll come with you, but I won't. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, some Libra. That's some Libra stuff. That's the not leaving. Mm, you know, like mm -hmm. I can see that. I guess I'm just kind of like I don't find Carson charming enough. But it's you know maybe you don't. But, but the charm is clearly does. in the in the show, right? Like mm -hmm. somehow they do decide that like she's going to be in charge and Libras are often more charming to authority figures than they are to like their peers. Like, I'm just saying like Libras are often chosen to kind of represent, you know, like it's management. Right. But then this takes us back to our yellow jackets debate where you fought me so hard on who I thought was the main Libra. And you were like, this is a fucking Capricorn, right? Like to me, this is starting to angle towards the same argument, but used in a reverse because you have a Libra Mercury. <laughs> I know. And Mars. You're a turncoat. That's yeah, I'm a turncoat. Are you just <laughs> using British words because the Queen's about to kick it? She already died. <laughs> she died. She died today. I'd say <laughs> RIP, but Bon voyage. Bon voyage. Know? Good luck. Good luck facing um crossing the river sticks, am I right? Yeah, let's see how heavy your heart is, my friend. Um, <laughs> uh, what heart? Yeah. <sighs> Let's see how, yeah, anyway. Um, okay. Uh, I am nearly convinced, but I still am so attached to the polarity that I created with Carson and Max that I can't fully give you this, but I, I am not, not on board. I can see and respect that and, and could go either way. Yeah, I I think that no matter what, I've decided that Greta is an Aquarius. It just took me a while. Mm -hmm. And so the real question is, is that, is it possible that it could be Aqua and Aqua? And okay. Yeah, um, and then it's like, where's the heat? One of them has an Aries Mars. One of them maybe has a Sag Venus, to be honest. Everyone knows who has the Sag Venus. It's Greta. <laughs> it's very obvious. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. So let's say we're just milling around, friends. You know, we're trying to get these things, the situational things going. Let's move on to some of the other members of the team. Let's do it. What about Joey, right? Greta's BFF. Joey, I like couldn't, I, I knew a certain vibe, but couldn't quite pin it. And you actually helped me pin it in that like Joey's a Taurus. She's yeah. solid. She's lovable. She takes a while to warm up. And, but then when she does. Yeah. She's just like, I don't know. First of all, it's like, maybe when I like a character, I'm like, is this character Taurus? Like maybe one, I'm like, is this my friend? Yeah. Are you my friend? Um, two, I just felt like she was like, you know, her body was a very important part of the show. Yeah. Which is like a very Torian thing. Like all these girls kissing her arms all the time. <laughs> I was like, what's happening here? This like kind of like steady leadership that is not actually in the front. Yeah. Like 
Joey had that energy. That's a very Torian energy to me. It's a kind of like that's the mountain. Like the mountain, like people turn to it. They're just she like be moved. Yeah. Yeah. Like how are we actually feeling. You know, people always kind of turn to Joey to be like, how are we actually feeling about something? Like when Carson was leading and be like, Well, what how's Joey reacting to this? You know? Yeah. She's a real anger. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, that's classic. It also, I think, supports my Greta's and Aquarius. Um, I think two fixed sign BFFs really work for me. They're both very strong characters that work really well together, but also have a clash, right? Very mm. different ways of being in the world. Joey wants to have roots, and Greta believes that everywhere is a place where she can go. Yep, to which I would say this goes along with my Venus connection because I do know quite a few couples and friend pairs where there's a Libra and a Taurus where they have on the one hand they love to go out to nice dinners and share nice things but then there's a thing where the Libra stops being practical and mm -hmm. the Taurus is annoyed and frustrated by it and the Libra will never cut off that friendship but the Taurus will eventually be like I'm out mm -hmm. I gotta go to what's going to feed me, what's going to sustain me, what's going to keep keep me in proximity to what I've accomplished, right? Like to leave with Greta, to be flippant or fly away, regardless that is an air sign vibe, right? Mm -hmm. And to feel like you can kind of like make friends anywhere. Whereas Joey's like, I worked too hard for this. I've built these skills. I built a name. Like I am sticking with this because this is the fruit of my fucking labor. And like one thing you're not going to get a tourist to leave is the fruit of their labor. I mean, absolutely, right? Um, Joey was not going to leave unless it was the only thing that, like, made sense for her. But I want to put out there again, since we're returning to Greta, that when Greta did decide she was leaving, she uh, didn't say goodbye to nobody because she made no friends. <laughs> you know what a Libra is going to do on a team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Libra's going to say goodbye to a lot of people. But what if, what if she's a Libra with a lot of Virgo? Okay, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Joey, no arguments. Taurus, sensual, steady, and just like a real craft person. Like, she was really fucking good. Also sexy. Am yeah, I wrong? She's hot. That's kind of hot. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we've got Joey on the map. Mm -hmm. What about Lupe? I think Lupe is a Scorpio. I think that there's a lot more going on underneath than Lupe lets on, right? Like we don't find out till the show's almost over that Lupe, I mean, we know Lupe is queer, but like it's not confirmed, confirmed until the very end. She is deeply loyal, even though she's also incredibly annoyed um, in her relationship to Esty, right? Like she'll go to the ends of the earth. She will look everywhere for her. When everybody is ready to give up, she knows where to look. She finds her. And then after they find her, she sits in the back seat and like cusses under her breath about her the whole time, which I feel like is a very Scorpio thing to do to be like, this fucking bitch, I came and saved you. You're so stupid. I hate you. I love you. I hate you, but I will always show up for you like 1000%. Also, the clash with Carson, if Carson is an Aquarius, does feel like a very Scorpio Aquarius thing where like, Carson zoomed out looking at the team dynamic and is not like as privy, like Lupe knows the 
emotional 411 on everybody on the team. She knows what they're actually dealing with. All Carson knows are like the stats, you know? And so that's why I think the Lupe is a Scorpio. So I really like your zoom out um, explanation. I think that's really um, convincing to me. Like the fact that Lupe is dead on the ground being like, that was some racist shit. Like that was some other fucking shit. That was some backstabby shit. And Carson is just like, okay, but like the bigger, you know, we could do all this like stuff. And also that's some labor shit too, where she's just like, well, like that impulse to also kind of be like, well, if we just smooth it out and if we all just put our heads together and like, I can hear this side, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. they need their best. Okay, whatever, Back, backing off my, my uh, Carson argument for a minute. So I want to say, first off, for listeners everywhere, that I probably agree with Rose, but <laughs> as... Um, as somebody who has a Libra Mars, Mercury, and uh, Midheaven, I would like to just try out stirring something again. Just doing a little stir, just a little putting my little spoon in the sapphic soup and uh, my little ladle. <laughs> what if, what if you're me out? Lupe's a Pisces. Lupe's too contained to be a Pisces. Rest my case. Oh, oh. Are you sure? <laughs> is uh, she really that contained? Like, is she contained? What's your case for Lupe being a Pisces? Okay. One, I think that there's a type of Pisces that is very, like, specifically driven on a team and is, like, very much like, this is what we need to do like leader Pisces, like people who got like that kind of Jesus shit complex, like, <laughs> and I think that kind of type of Pisces often gets sort of washed, right? By the like, whatever, just chaotic, like everywhere Pisces. Like, I think there are plenty of Pisces who are chaotic and spread out when it comes to their artwork or their sex lives but when it comes to their work or their mission are very very driven in the moment that they are in it so i want to just like put that forward first for listeners just to conceive right and a lot of that has to do with the fact that a pisces is going to have some prominent aries placements you know um which brings me out to the uncontained part because this bitch is always fucking angry out loud and it's not secret <laughs> like Luve is clearly upset, right? Like she is angry. She is like purposefully abstaining from shit. Um, she's fucking with the game. It's a little bit unscorpionic in some ways because it is not like it is too out loud and everybody perceive everybody could perceive it. Um, I would also put out that I am interested in the sort of moodiness that Pisces can have when they when they believe that they're right about something. That sort of like going inward, that containment, that Aries Mars stuff that's like a kid, like, you know, sort of like, I am fucking mad. I am not getting my way. <laughs> and I would then be interested in that relationship being completely different, right? Like, I think a Scorpio, when they're moody, is moody that whole fucking time. Like, they're just moody, consistent. And we have her whole other life with Jess, 
where she's just slutting around. Like, just totally chilling, going to the bars, like, hanging out with what is our clear Sagittarius, right? Yeah. These two Jupiter people just, like, fucking living large on the pussy train. Like, you yeah. know, and whatever other kind of train they want to be on. And here is my other fun kind of triangulation here. So we've got this, like, Sag Pisces friendship, right? Which, you know, could work. It's a Scorpio Sag friendships also work. Obviously, I am the big case for that. Like, but I just want to put out there that in some ways the Pisces Sag fuckboy combo is actually supreme. It is unstoppable. And the tension between Lupe and Esty would be even more interesting to me or even more sort of like fun to trouble if Esty was our Scorpio. Also a big crybaby. Secretly really good at shit. Don't really know what the fuck is the backstory at all. Don't even know why she wants Lupe's love so bad besides language. But her emotions are right up to the surface all the time anyway. So if your argument for why Lupe isn't a Scorpio, it doesn't hold water if you translate it to Esty. The moon is like, like... What's happening to you right now? Do you need to adjust that? No, that's just the light. It's fine. The moon is just like... like big eyed looking at me through my window it's so intense i just have to let you know that, that pisces she's also moon present. is like you better name my character right i don't know i just think i've been around a lot of pisces kind of like lupe okay so like moody just, fuck boy kind of yeah moody fuck boys 100 you know yeah. with like aries aries like placements that run hot mm-hmm that are like very fighty and like very combative and also like very proud. Yeah, and then there's some Aquarius foothold in there that's helping them like be more stubborn and hold the grudge more. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm open, I'm open to that. It's beautiful to be open, <laughs> but we still have a couple of other placements we haven't talked about and some other characters we haven't talked about either. We like have let's talk about Max. We haven't talked about, exactly. I think we should just mention Jess because I think I said that Jess is a Sagittarius, yeah. but maybe like, you know, let's talk about yeah. the Sagittarianness of Jess, which is like for me, this I don't think this gets sort of brought up a lot, but it, it, I feel like the Sagittarianness of Jess is the mystery of Sagittarians. Mm. Like a lot of Sagittarians that I've encountered in my life often hold a certain air of mystery like you kind of can't figure out what the fuck they're thinking and it's different than like like the mysterious dark like daring stranger or whatever it's not that it's just a kind of remove or um, hesitancy to express an experience and so what happens is like you could just hang out with some Sagittarians and be like I have no idea whether you're having a good time whether you're into this, whether you're coming back, whether you like me or not. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're friends with them for 20 years. But they're always, it's always a little bit like, well, this is great. Thanks. Or, yeah, I'll order something too. And you're just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what's happening? What's in there? Yeah. How much of that do you think is also the influence of its sandwiching signs? 
right? Like yeah. Capricorn can be notoriously dry in expression and really not give a lot. And Scorpio is also often mysterious and elusive, right? So there's a good 100%, chance. 100%, right? And it would stand to serve that if like Jess's, you know, Sagittarian fuckboy sun sign is like hanging out with some Scorpio shit, and there is Jess just fucking living it up in that gay bar, like basically just like collecting everybody's name on their car, you know? For sure. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's also just the, um, there is a fire there, right? Like they do get really upset when people like can't figure their shit out, which I actually think is a Sagittarian thing that we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. a lot either there can be a real impatience with people not figuring out their relational shit because they have bigger things on their agenda mm -hmm. they have a broader perspective right it's like literally like up on the mountaintop and then just like the secret talents too mm -hmm. like the mm -hmm. like oh there's a gas station a mile away I'll, I'll just walk over there and come back and fix this car like whatever whatever and while I'm doing that figure your shit out <laughs> well, that's also very, that's like, that's that Capricorn sandwich influence, yeah. you know, for yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a part of it is like, if I don't know how to do it, I'll know how to do it by the time that I walk back, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> You'd mentioned this thing when we were doing Yellow Jackets and we were talking about Sophie Thatcher slash um, Juliette Lewis's character, whose name escapes me at this mm -hmm. moment, but I'll put it in the notes. Um, they're like mysteriously always having alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or just something, right? They're always just like, that's some Jupiter shit too. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like some Dionysian, like, like, okay, like, you want to have a good time or not? But I'm coming on my own, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So should we finish out the rest of the of the Rockford Peaches, the the very white segregated baseball team? Well, and that's complicated, right? Because we, you know, we are talking about these characters that may or may not have been white presenting, depending on the company they kept, like mm -hmm. Lupe and SD. Right. Um, and, you know, like originally that was also common. Like mm -hmm. it was common in, in the 40s for these unofficially, quote unquote, informally segregated white teams to have Latinx um, people playing with them who just would never be out about their, you know, ethnicity, as well as the fact that everybody was eating pizza. Well, and like by virtue of colorism too, right? Mm -hmm. Which is huge yeah. and, and yeah. can't be ignored, um, which like has touched on a little bit, right? There is that wince when Lupe is called the Spanish striker, mm -hmm. right? And then also it just kind of then goes on from there. I know. And actually that was, I don't know. And I, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's my place, but right. for me, it felt like Esty's character was a little troublesome. Like I didn't always know if the way that she was written felt respectful to me mm -hmm. i had trouble sometimes trying to reconcile with it um as an audience member but as a white audience member maybe there was something that i mapped onto it myself for sure yeah exactly it's like i don't i don't feel like i have the cultural competency to like and it's not again not my place because it's not my community and also there were some weird vibes that i would love to hear somebody who's like better versed and equipped Mm -hmm. their take on it really but you know we know that 
or we think that Estes probably are Pisces unless Lupe's are Pisces because I convinced Rose, in which case Estes could, you know. I think then Estes would become a Gemini and then Shirley would become the Libra, right? If we did that whole reshuffle. Right, right. Yeah, which could make sense, you know. So Shirley is our resident Jew, mm-hmm. um, which is funny, right? Because Abby's a Jew. <laughs> I also think that that is odd because I found it a little bit anti-Semitic. So I was just sort of like, Mm-mm-mm. you know, it's that mm-hmm. thing where it's like, it's almost like you're making Jew jokes with other Jews, but you're a director. Like, mm-hmm. it's like when you're making fun of Jews and the audience isn't like other Jews, it's yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah. Then it's kind of like, Oh, like who, like who are you playing this up for? Like who are you playing this like neurotic, like numbers obsessed, like whatever character (laughs) whose face is too Semitic when they like look. So they they clearly quote her as Jewish. Yeah. And then they make her like a caricature of a Jewish person. And I also, I would say then they start talking about her like fear of like gayness in a way that actually felt kind of not very Jewish. So I was sort of, not that Jews are not homophobic, they are, but it just wasn't a Jewish kind of homophobia to me. It was very Christian. So that was, that was one of the, it was definitely a complication for me with Shirley, but I guess in the same way that she's a caricature of a Jew to me, she was also kind of a caricature of a Virgo. Unless she's a Gemini or a Libra, right? But it's like there's something mercurial about her. She's curious about everything to her detriment. She wants to be able to like sort and organize the information. She wants the data. And she also has this nervous energy that she carries through and kind of like if anything is off, in the immediate environment, she cannot rest. She needs to like figure it out, right? Mm -hmm, Which mm -hmm. like with Libra, we can see in kind of the attempt to like balance whatever the energy is. And if something feels out of balance to try to like run to the other side of the seesaw. Mm -hmm. And also like a bad obsession with justice, like what is right? (laughs) And like, how am I involved in it? And maybe I should be Yeah. (laughs) like, okay. And and for the Virgo take, which was my original thought until we came up with another Virgo that actually feels even more right, there is the projecting out your own fears onto the environment, right? We finally at the end find out that Shirley is scared that she's queer, so she's looking for who's queer among everyone else, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, which is like... mm -hmm can't fix your own problems, can't clean your own doorstep, all of a sudden you're meddling in everybody else's life. That's true. That's true. But with, yeah, with the Gemini, it's just that insatiable curiosity and kind of nervous energy, right? Which like is also pretty on brand. But also like Geminis can be just as controlly as Virgos are. Mm-hmm. They can be just as nitpicky. They can be just as clean freaks. Like a lot of Gemini OCD stuff, like There's all kinds of Gemini behaviors out there that are like, you know, from the kind of most extreme to the most banal that are very much about um, having the materials in front of you as they should be. Yeah. And, you know, even more so if we're looking at the contrast between like an earth sign and an air sign in that expression that like, Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Physical space, but also more like social dynamics. Right. Everyone is as they should be. I know everything. Yeah. I know the truth. What is the gossip? Mm -hmm. Right. How can I, uh, 
how can I trade this information for more connection? My exchange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm but a lowly merchant. <laughs> I'm a lowly merchant of secrets. <laughs> That's actually why Gemini and Scorpio are like secretly BFFs is because Geminis are like, I'm a merchant of secrets. And Scorpio is like, cool, because I have a collection of secrets that I'm willing to trade for the right price. Well, and also in a chart with Scorpio on the ascendant in a whole sign, it places Gemini in the eighth house of secrets. So it's like, get in there, get in there into my eighth house pizza, <laughs> the eighth slice of 12. Extra I also lunch. want to just call back to one of our episodes um, <laughs> and remind people that before T Rose and I watched the show, I made a case for pizza being gay. And then the show was like, what if you're really into pizza? And I was like, yeah, pizza, it's a yoni. <laughs> I just, I just, I just want to say you triangle. don't have to go too far back either. It's literally our last episode. <laughs> it's just like a triangle within many. It's a circle, you know. It's just right there. It's true. It's like if you want to reach whole, a holistic experience, you just need a lot of triangles. Yeah, tri all these triangles, one circle. It's mm. great. And it's cheesy. All right, so. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. We're almost off the team. I want to get off the team, close the season. Who do we have left? We have our beloved supervisor, our chaperone, Beverly. 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 Um, played by Dash Dale, right? Dale Dash. Dale Dash. Dale Dickey, actually. Dale okay. Dash is a cool idea that I threw out earlier, but not her name. <laughs> but, cool but it goes really nice with Niecy Nash. <laughs> That's true, because Dale Dickey was in Claws yes. with Niecy Nash and played just as a chaotic of a character. So, so you know, I mean, I just love this character actor. I think that she adds a little bit of zhuzh to every fucking thing that she participates in. And it was, she always just like, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure to see her in a scene. She wasn't always doing something I wanted the story to do, right? But she was always doing something that moved the story forward, that made it interesting, that made it compelling. And yeah, I mean, as a Virgo, I think that she just fits because Virgos are kind of officers of the law in some degree. You know, they get the information and then they put it in where it needs to be put. A lot, you know, they're not necessarily the enforcers, <laughs> yeah. you know, like she's a chaperone. She sees people are doing, she lets people know what people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. And, and toward the end, you know, like that moment when she gave Jess back all of those fines for wearing pants, which also clarified for me how Jess kept wearing pants. I was like, but there was right. never a moment where they were getting demerits out loud. No, so I, never I just saw like, the fine. <laughs> yeah, but I really felt that that was a Virgo thing to be like, you know, I had to do it. It's part of the law. Like I got this money, I put it away, but the box has been checked and now I can return this thing to you. Surprise, I'm a homosexual. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there are a couple of other points that I felt like it, it really clicked for me that she could be a Virgo energy. One of them was in her decision to kick Joey off the team, even though she was also a dyke. And I think that there can be this certain, you know, 
Taurus, on the one hand, sure, can be really stable and and kind of like successful in a certain way, steady in a certain way. But there's also a certain flavor of hedonism, right? Mm-hmm. Particularly once a Taurus decides it's ready to let loose. And for Virgo, which is an energy that often is like pretty concerned with, like even though Virgo is still kind of on the personal side, it's not quite into the interpersonal and transpersonal personal signs per se there is a sense where Virgo is like you only take what you deserve you have to do things according to the natural order and organization you can't be chaotic you certainly can't be hedonistic and I think that there was a certain part in that reprimand that was like wouldn't we all like to let loose Mm -hmm. right like especially if you're a closeted Virgo dyke and this young Taurus is like out actually experiencing some serious trauma but before that just like living her life for kind of the first time ever okay so i think that that's a great read i do want to offer our audience a generous version of this narrative right which is which is one where maybe beverly's character or beverly um dale's character it doesn't act from a place of um bitterness or um, even a place of comparison, but rather from a place of strategy. You know, Virgos are very perceptive and, and they report things and they know a lot more about what's going to happen than people think. And to me, watching it, even then, it felt like there was a way that Beverly's character had chosen to protect Joey. Like there was something about that move and maybe I'm missing the language for it now, like the text evidence of it. Mm -hmm. But what I remember about that exchange was that it ultimately would have benefited Joey more than to have stayed on the team after what had happened because it got stricken. Yeah. So I think that, the exchange was to help protect her reputation and give her the chance to keep to keep playing. playing. Like I think she might have not been able to stay on the team the other way. I also think that Virgo as part of its kind of service element does have a way where it's like I'm happy to be the asshole in the minute to be like the respected ally in the long term or even to just like do you some good in the long term right but right? That, like you're not gonna yeah. get this right now yeah and that's okay and i don't need you to and i don't need you to be my friend much in the way that she would collect the fines for mm-hmm. jess's pants and then give it all back to her at the end mm-hmm. right where it's kind of like and and that's also where i see that's where i do really like the case for carson as an aquarius because i think that virgo and aquarius have very different means but in some ways have similar aims and that both of them are trying to look at the systems and look at the overall picture even though virgo does it from a very like base level like in the chaos just like sorting through things kind of way mm-hmm. but still of a like I'm trying to do what's best for all of us. I'm trying to like make sure that we have enough food to fucking eat in February, which like you aren't even thinking about right now. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's some good cases there for sure. But Um, that's part of why, you know, if they have that in conjunct, like their methods, like they don't understand each other a lot of the time. mm -hmm. And it's only like when they get to the end of the arc that they're like, Oh, we were both trying to go the same place. Who? 
Carson and Beverly. You don't think they understood each other? I think they had a lot of friction initially as like trying to figure out, like, I just feel like there was a lot of head butting, but not in the way that a square butts heads. Oh, I really thought that Carson was kind of like, she just like took whatever Beverly took. Like Carson, like Greta and Beverly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, cause in, this is one of the, this is actually one of the troubles of Greta as a Libra for mm -hmm. me was that like, although Greta is charming, it seems like actually like she's never really, you know, the, that makeup lady was like, yes, but a lot of the other parts of the team were people kind of criticizing her and mm -hmm. like, she's too loud too, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, Carson looked, seemed to look up to Beverly. She kept going to Beverly for advice and, you know, kind of taking back some, remember like that whole thing where Beverly was like telling her how to get out and then and Carson brought it out and was like acting like inspired through Beverly. It and it like, didn't land because she didn't know how to express it in the right way, though. <laughs> right. But that's not but that's not a conflict between them. That's a conflict between her inside and her outside. You know what I mean? Like she she wanted to go to Beverly. She wanted Beverly's advice and she took it like no. But you know what I mean? I do. But I guess what I'm saying is that like because they weren't quite in a way where they fully spoke the same language or had the same mm -hmm. means to their goals in a way where like even with squares in opposition still like signs of the same mode have some like understanding or like mm -hmm. some like method I feel like that's why I'm like yeah it was clunky even though there is also this like there is this through line or thread that works but that it's like a clunky thing that you have to work with that that like requires constant adjustment and neither of them could like use the same vocabulary or use the same kind of style to get through. To me, that feels like a quincunx. That feels like an inconjunct. And as a person with a Virgo moon and Aquarius sun that are in a tight quincunx, I do like, I feel that resonance of like, let's move on to Max's world, which I'm like so much more excited about. <laughs> okay. Why are you excited about Max's world? Um, I actually just think that Max's world is a little more intimate because there's like family and close relationship. And like, we actually, because there are, f there's still a, like fair number of characters, but more of them start to fall to the wayside till we just get kind of clustered around a handful that like we really care about. I wonder if there's like a test <laughs> that's not like a Bechdel test yeah. or whatever that's about like characters getting scenes where they're not talking about a love interest you know what i mean where it's not about their husband or the other person they're trying to fuck who's mm -hmm. like closeted or whatever <laughs> it's not it's not gay straight anywhere in the spectrum it's just like a character talking about their life's ambitions yeah. or their best friend or their best friend's comic or, or their you know. dreams and hopes and fears and family mm -hmm. dynamics and what they can and can't fix or how they figure out how to connect or disconnect or have boundaries or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or like how they decided that one part of the suit is them, but the other part of the suit is not them. <sighs> oh my God. <laughs> Did that give you a feeling? that scene gave me even more of a feeling tell me about it well I mean first we start with Max right um, mm -hmm. 
Max may be a shy guy in some instances, but like Liz is the star of this show. Max is our Leo. Literally, mm-hmm. like there's a whole storyline that's just about her hair. That's true. Hair stuff. <laughs> big, big hair stuff. Hair stuff, legacy stuff, dad stuff. Like there's a lot of Leo shit going on here. Okay, but what if Max is an Aries? Then I ask you if Max is an Aries, who's the Leo? Like anybody could be a fucking Leo. Greta can be a Leo too. Leo and Taurus, great. Leo and Aquarius, difficult. Like, you know. Uh, also, Esty could be a Leo. Confident, kind of like that sh- true shy guy Leo. Like a few words, sexy. Are you talking about Esther or are you talking about SD? Because those are two different characters. Oh, I meant Esther. Okay, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to take that tone with you, Gala. I take it back. <laughs> I realized it sounded very... I'm like, oh, this is how I accidentally get into fights sometimes with... <laughs> Virgo stuff. It's fine. Are you talking about Esther? Esther is a Leo? Yeah. Yeah. Rose percolates. I am percolating. I guess I just feel like... Okay, I buy, here's my case. I buy them both as fire for sure. Um, but I think that Okay, here's my case, right? I get Max's hair stuff, I get that Max is a star, but Max is also baby one. Mm-hmm. Like big baby, right? Like baby of the show, coming to clans, only talking about like, you know, big feelings, tantrum, toddler stuff. I'm having a big feeling. I need to like This is also Leo shit it. though. This is absolutely it, Leo shit. It is, and also it is airy shit. And, okay, the big feeling stuff, one thing. The anger issue, airy shit. The, like, the, like the fucking, Not like... exclusively. Are you kidding me? Not exclusively. Sorry. Okay, I have a master's in Leo's. <laughs> but archetypally, archetypally, like, sure. the, the way that, like, Max blows up, the way mm-hmm. that she's, like, fucking with this dude who's, like, into her... The way that she fucks that dude who's into her and like isn't even like is just sort of like, huh, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's also some airy shit. Mm-hmm. Like the kind of just like, I'm gonna like I gotta like break out that baby of the family. Like I got like I have a big dream and I can't be like tied down to this like the business that you built for me. Mm-hmm. There's just like a way that like Max inhabits that space that feels very Aries to me, very mm-hmm. like the fool with the with the stick, you know, like. Yeah, I guess I guess, though, like where where I get stuck is um, I think Aries is more comfortable making mistakes and humiliating themselves actually than Leo is like the whole like I choked in the pitching thing and now I'm never going to play baseball again. That feels like a Leo pride thing to me. I mean, sure, maybe, but it can also be some tourist placement shit. Like, you know, definitely. Like, I guess I feel like some Aries who take like burn like that, you know, when they crash, they get baby crashes or just sort of like, this is the worst shit that's ever happened. But the next day they're back at it again, you know? Which is kind of Max was like the pounding didn't last very long. It wasn't like Lupe, you know what I mean? Like Lupe is just moody, moody, moody. Yeah. Max is like, I'm burning up now. I have a like now I have a new ambition. I'm burning now. I have an ambition, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And also, I guess to me, it's like, if that's fire, fire, like I see Esther as kind of like the morphic sign between the two. Like I see that energy of like, come over here and like, maybe, maybe I'll let you like stick around if you're lucky, a real like Leo energy. Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm also, I also just have a hard time giving the Leo role to somebody who's barely in the show. Well, yeah, but that's just like, you know, that's, here's the trouble. It's like, we're just playing a game where everybody has to have a different yeah, astrology yeah, yeah, yeah. sign, you know? And it's like, a lot of these signs are probably like, you know, super fire oriented because they're adventurous and they're being really bold and there's a certain amount of risk. And like, there's probably other Leos and Aries in this group, you know, but yeah. I mean, I could a hundred percent get behind Esty being in Aries. Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> I guess I'm just kind of like, I'm sorry, we can't have this legacy of hair and then having to authentically be yourself, which, yeah, that's Aries also. Um, and not at least give some consideration to it as a, as a Leo. And then, you know, for me. I, I mean, first of all, I just want to put out there that Leo rising is always available absolutely for, for Max if she needs it. And of course, like, it, you know, again, we come to the question of like, the hair sort hair being such an important thing and like black culture and sure. a lot of black stories. Absolutely. So that's a huge part of it. Of course, then I get into this question of like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um and also the other reason that I feel attached because I am a person who likes systems is because I love Carson and Max being opposite each other. Mm -hmm. because I do think that their dynamic is is um, inverse and I think that Max I just do think of Max as the heart of this show okay I just want to put it out there that um, they could still be opposites of Carson's a Libra For anyway sure. absolutely uh, just, but then the other one so... that I really like is Max as a Leo and Clance as a Cancer and are you going to argue with me about that I'm not going to argue with you about that, but I do want to say that Aries and Cancer mommy, have very enduring bonds. Absolutely. Because uh, mommy and baby like to be together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then sometimes mommy is like, baby, I also have needs and pains and some shit you mm -hmm. need to be present for, so don't be a shit. Yeah, I mean, plants is definitely our cancer. There's just no denying it. Um, the creativity is through mm -hmm. the roof, right? It's like, the fucking house making is really important. Yeah, she and she roots the show mm -hmm. and certainly roots Max in a way and like literally even has that conversation with Max's mom, Tony, about like, it's just me, everybody's leaving, I'm the only one still here, you know? Mm -hmm. Which Yeah, also and also serves as Max's home at the same time. Yeah. Like she is Max's home base. Yeah, and then her nervous energy could definitely be some Gemini placements, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And also creative. It's also the hands creating all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Big time. Which brings us to Bert, who I think is like one of the softer expressions of Capricorn, actually. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've had some in my life. I've had like some softer, some like older Capricorn masks 
who like really helped uphold the social structure, made sure that people were like looked after and had like the resources that they needed. As long as you didn't treat them with disrespect, you could have anything. It's also like, you know how I was talking about how with Sag, you like, you never know like how they have money. Yeah. But I feel like with Capricorns, it's like, you never know what they actually do. Right. You're like, what do you do? Like, what's your job? Or it's like this. this it's... <laughs> you're like, what? They're like, behold. They're like, no, I, I built this. <laughs> you're and you're like, like what? what is it? <laughs> you're like, you're in it, man. Mm -hmm. The whole thing. Um, so there is that level of kind of like, uh, like the, the man behind the mystery, mm -hmm. but but then it's, it's, it's quite mysterious. And I love that. Um, yeah. the debonairness definitely is kind of like a Capricorn thing. Class. I also think it, um, it supports my max Aries, Aries claim. Yeah. But just like that feeling of like their relationship, you know, um, having that kind of like father figure journey and, yeah. um, and also at the same time, having this like uh, departure of masculinity is right where Capricorn is like, this is how you look good. This is how you do it right. And Aries is like, I'm going to do it my way though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like the more I think about it, it's like, hmm. Being competitive and being kind of a smug asshole at first meeting is also can be a Leo vibe if, if Esther is the Leo, right? But then taking somebody under your wing once you realize that you like have their respect and that they mm -hmm. understand who's in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also because I have a conception of like Leo Aries couples as often being like puppy, puppy Aries <laughs> with like a lot of the time that's what i'm seeing <laughs> yeah and i also think that aquarius and aries have like an interesting parallel and dynamic too you know what i mean and, a, mm -hmm. and aries has to fight for everything right they never get do any... they have to <laughs> as far do as they they're concerned to? yes absolutely thousand <laughs> percent that is the vocabulary that they have you're right maybe they don't but they they have this feeling mm -hmm. right that they have to fight for everything and like Probably an Aries over a Leo would throw their paycheck on the dirt as a like, I got this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like a Leo would be like, it's bad enough to put my pride at stake. I don't know if I'm also going to put my money on the line. Not that they don't have their own like risk taking behavior, but. No, it's more, it's actually often a little bit more private. Not, not all the time if they're like the true, like kind of like party time Leo, yeah, yeah, but yeah. a lot of, a lot of Leo shit is real secretive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in that as, um, as an alternative. I'm entertaining oh, beautiful. this. Beautiful. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> um, well, then we've gone through all of them. We've gone through all the characters that we've planned to go through and all the signs as we know them. It's true. Today. And I do just want to like touch and circle back real quickly and just say that like, I really wish that Gracie had gotten more character development so that she could have been uh, more a part of this game. Just saying. And that, of course, is Bert's wife. Yeah. I and I mean... I honestly couldn't, I would never be able to guess her sign because it's just, it's too quick. 
just like four lines and two scenes yeah so yeah so it an unfortunate an unfortunate situation yeah. But we'll do, you know, we dealt, we dealt our best. Well, yeah. And I mean, I guess like, is the bar low? Like, what are we looking for? Hopefully there's a second season and, Mm -hmm. you know, and we get to really spend time with Max and S Tur. And that we get, you know, maybe change. Yeah. And, and maybe like he'll come back and visit Bert and Gracie and we'll get more of them. We're certainly getting more of this side of the story than we ever got in the original movie, which basically made such a short nod to the idea of the, like, not to the idea, to the actuality of the segregation that was happening, that you would not even recognize it as such a thing, you know, the nod. (laughs) Yeah, we barely did. And mm-hmm. even though it's complicated and uncomfortable, it's like at least you're acknowledging that like black people existed and had fucking rich textured lives in 1942. Yeah. And yeah, let's just do Rose's astrology corner. Yeah. Um. So y'all, there's plenty that we could talk about, but there's two main things that are happening and they're two retrogrades and they're kind of linked together in the sense that um, they both start at least in air signs. So these are two retrogrades is are Mercury retrograde, which starts stations tomorrow, Friday, September 9th. We're recording on Thursday, September 8th. You're not going to get this for another week. <laughs> About uh, maybe a week and a half. Let's be real. So you'll be in it. You'll be in it as you're listening to this. You'll be in it as you're listening to this. But so the interesting thing is Mercury, which rules the signs of Gemini and Virgo, is stationing retrograde in a near exact trine to Mars, which is in Gemini. Mercury is in Libra at almost nine degrees. Mars is in Gemini around nine degrees at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then Mercury will go all the way back to the end of Virgo, right? So Mer- Mercury <laughs> is stationing retrograde <laughs> and that's going to occur up until October 2nd. It'll clear the shadow by mid-October. It entered its shadow at the end of August. Mars is going to station retrograde at the end of October. It enters its shadow period this weekend. So there is a dance that's happening. Mm-hmm. where the mercury mm-hmm. world signs are involved mars usually spends two months in a sign it's gonna spend seven months in gemini that mercury... is too many months in gemini gemini doesn't want that gemini doesn't want that gemini the thing about gemini is it's like i want to think i want to explore i want to express i want to try this i want to try that i want to look into this i want to look into that and when that is also like your motivating force to be moving and doing in the world it starts to get really exhausting yeah, and probably it's uncomfortable for Gemini because they don't actually like to be pushed. Mm-mm. Like, they like to kind of dawdle around from one spot to another spot from another spot. They don't like to, like, have a driving force going. Like, that's a lot of pressure. Well, and especially it's it's bad enough to get pushed, but then to get pushed and then to have to go back and kind of stand an answer to the consequences of whatever you kind of like flitted about and did and then have to like rework through them and then do them again. 
Well, they know more like to be pushed than they like to be held back. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like there's just too too many different movements back and forth. Mm-mm. It is, and so the com- so to have that happening is enough of a kerfluffle. But to have that coming out of the dust that's settling from another retrograde in another air sign that was linked pretty closely and then that goes back into the other mercury ruled sign to virgo it just looks like we can't hold fast or tightly to anything for a little while looks like we need to embrace the spirit of exploration and experimentation it looks like if you have to do something again please don't do it the same way (laughs) impossible i can only do it one way (laughs) <laughs> but but Mars and Gemini is asking you to try something differently. Mercury in Libra is asking you to consider others' perspectives and needs. Mercury, as it slides back into Virgo, is reminding you that the details matter. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as navigating the next seven months, I would say that like the next six weeks are a good template as far as how and where and when you're going to need to be flexible. And if you can find a way to take information from one experience and translate it into another, I think that will be useful. But actions speak, you know? And I think that's a big thing with Mars and Gemini is like, and as Mars continues through Gemini, and Mercury retrogrades back into Virgo, then we get into this other crunchiness between those two signs, right? Even though they don't come into an exact aspect, there is something about like, well, uh, if you just say whatever you're thinking or follow whatever thread, like you're gonna have to pay the piper at some point. That's true. But where Gemini can help Virgo is reminding them that if you wait till you've planned, A, you can't plan everything out perfectly, and B, if you wait until you have everything planned out perfectly, you may have missed your opportunity because uh, Mars and Gemini is going to be working with Jupiter and Aries a little bit. They have a few different, they have three different sextiles. So there is something about figuring out how to get a sketch out there and then filling in the details. Because if you have the overarching vision, you can still kind of plod towards it and make adjustments as you need to. Does that make sense? I think so. I mean, you're really giving people some maps to success. (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving them a map to anywhere, let's be real. I feel like it's like, if you can't do all of that, then you can do what, you know, Mars and Gemini does when they're most wise, which is, and roll with it you know that mutability is key and it's a gift yeah and i think that there is you know if we can another way to look at mercury retrograde and mars retrograde kind of like intersecting and rolling into each other is that the mercury Mm. retrograde in libra is going to show us a kind of relational issues that we are navigating in like more one-on-one situations And then Mm -hmm. the Mars in Gemini is going to give us an opportunity to try different ways to kind of solve or resolve those issues or to move Mm -hmm. through the world in a way that is informed by that information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the nice thing about Gemini as an energy rather than, I don't know, something 
more fixed or more kind of uh, finicky is there's no attachment to the way that you do something. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. no like, this is the way I said I was going to do it. And I'm going to just like, there's no like Capricorn. Like I'm just going to fucking blow through this thing. Even though every bit of information coming in response is telling me that this isn't the way to do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Reluctance to commit to one tact actually may be a virtue. Yeah. I think that's very true about like actually both Gemini and Libra energy. And that's as much as you're going to get because I can't help you. (laughs) Well, Rose, where can people find you when they need help? (laughs) If you need real help, you can book a session with me. Also, I'm going to open up for just a week my class again the second section is starting and we're talking about the signs actually so that's a fun one i made everybody start with the boring one which is the planets but you need to know it before you really get into the signs Mm -hmm. so if you want to play games like what breed of dog is an aries with me you should sign up sliding scale be fun is it a chihuahua though shh don't spoil it (laughs) (laughs) i will tell you spoiler alert leos are golden retrievers i rest my case Huh. Okay, so <laughs> not always. Sometimes they're Pomeranian. That that feels true. That you know it's actually Pomeranian golden retriever mix might be the perfect. Let's just wrap and we can talk more about dogs. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Gala, um, yeah, I have a website. What are you doing? You're trucking away <laughs> on you're learning how to just live your life again. Whoa. No, I'm learning how to live my dog's life. Um <laughs> What am I doing? I'm chilling, man. I am working towards the relaunch of Queer Healers. That's what I do a lot. And I am just happy to be here, happy to be alive, and happy to think of all of us just being fucking dirty, fucking clam diggers out there. Digging the clams shucking the clams i don't know why i just i found that word in my mind and now i think it's like the weirdest word ever so that's why i have to keep saying it because it's just the kind of the more you say it the weirder it feels yeah and then you just actually have to push through that till you get to the other side well gala i love you yeah go find rose book a session take her class enjoy her dumb face Enjoy my dumb face. My dumb face would love to see your not dumb face. I'm not going to call you dumb, just me. Okay, bye. Bye. Big Deck Energy is mixed and recorded by Rose Blakelock and features original theme music by Knight of Cups. No blips and boobs in this episode because I'm too damn tired. Sophie Thatcher's character in Yellow Jackets is Natalie. Natalie.